What's going on? Welcome to the People's Show, a shortened edition of the People's Show, thanks to the Seattle Mariners, with an extra innings loss. But we're here till 4 o'clock, coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Bick Nazar, Israel Fair, Costa, Eddie, running the show behind the glass. It's the People Show, brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. You can always be part of the show as well, 650-650, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber, with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver, online at DunbarLumber.com. Usually we like to set up the show, be like, hey, here's what's happening. Here's what we're going to talk about today. Here's who's coming on today. We don't need to do any of that, because surely by now, someone has sent you the clip of Elliot Friedman sitting down with Elias Pedersen in Stockholm talking about all the things. So we're going to talk about a one minute, 19 second clip and <laughs> for a lot longer than that, do uh, a lot of analysis on a short snippet of an interview that is soon to be released. I'm sure over at uh, 32 thoughts pod and sportsnet.ca and wherever you get your Sportsnet content. So we don't even need to set up the show. That's that's what we're doing today. On a day where Austin Matthews also signs a deal. We'll get into that. But uh, before all that, Izzy, what's going on? We're back. Brutal way for the Mariners to lose. Uh, that, was, <laughs> that was a tough loss for the Mariners. They've had a lot of wins lately. Uh, but yeah, Petey making, uh, making headlines. Uh, he'll be pushed from the, the top of the stack by the Austin Matthews extension. If you haven't heard, four years. million AAV for Austin Matthews. That deal kicks in not this coming season, but the following season. That's uh, 53 million total money. Total money. Trademarked (laughs) for the 650 fellas. And it's uh, not completely linked to Elias Pettersson, but uh, will be at least, I guess, an underlying part of the the deeper combo about Pedersen and, and his next contract. As someone has texted in, Petey's wallet just got heavier. We'll wait to see what the official deal when it does come down for Elias Pedersen. Uh, not that it's going to happen anytime soon, but certainly I uh, imagine the Pedersen camp is smiling today. And Pepperson's done a couple of interviews already uh, with Ian McIntyre over, over at Sportsnet.ca and also with uh, Post Media as well. Uh, some quotes from both spots there. We'll get into some of it, but just to kind of catch you up on what's going on, if you haven't heard it, been living under a Canucks rock or something like that. Here's what Elias Pedersen uh, had to say when chatting with uh, with Elliot Friedman. What's the best thing about Stockholm? For me, it's uh, now I like living in big cities, so. Uh... It uh, gets me to be somewhat uh, privacy uh, and just a big town, a lot of opportunities for a lot of golf courses. And uh, my trainer lives here, and I got a lot of hockey friends here as well. So, so did Vancouver do that to you? Vancouver made you a big city guy, eh? Yeah, it did. It transitioned me to uh, to a bigger, big city guy. <laughs> One more bit of business extension. You're eligible to sign. Yeah. Where do things stand? Yeah, um, I'm not in a rush to sign. Um, I'm a 
I mean, I got one one more year left over there, and uh, I don't want to rush into anything because I still don't know myself if it's going to be a short term or long term. But it's going to be uh, probably my biggest contract so far, so I don't want to stress anything. Just going to get off to a good start. Focus on that. Yeah, that's been the main goal. I mean. The whole summer, I'm just trying to prepare myself as much as possible with training, trying to gain a little bit of weight, some muscles, and uh, and yeah, especially get off to a good start with the team. What's the best thing about Stockholm? That's uh, Elliot Friedman and Elias Pedersen chatting today. Uh, a small clip coming out on Elliot's uh, Twitter page, uh, but more obviously still to come from a longer conversation which will soon be released if you want to react to it 604-280-0650 you can always call in to the people show you can also text in 650 650 but what is your reaction when you hear that is some fear injected into your fandom of what this uh, situation (laughs) will play out I, i say this a lot when it comes to the superstar contract sagas a big thing to remind yourself is let's act like we've been through a superstar contract saga before we've been through it with queen hughes and elias Patterson. obviously different regimes but we've been through it with daniel and henrik sedin as well sure a couple times and and those got pushed to some pretty serious deadlines it's august 23rd and i don't have the same level of fear yet because we're not at a completely drop dead date i hear that quote and i think hey, look, that's a player using his leverage. And there's a handful of players in the NHL that get to really exercise their leverage. We saw one today push for a four-year deal. He's pushed for a five-year deal today or before in Austin Matthews. Mm -hmm. It's more in the NHL, players seldomly really get to push their leverage. It's kind of the employer-employee mentality where you have this idea of how things should go. But, hey, look, employers have leverage over a lot of employees because how often does your boss say hey stick around for an extra hour and you're happy to do it how often do you have to do something outside of the framework of your job and you get to do it and you don't have the leverage to push back there's a handful of guys in the nhl that have the opportunity to push back every once in a while and i hear this quote from elias Pettersson today who's talking about hey it's gonna be the biggest contract i'm gonna sign and previously he signed about a 22 million dollar deal so I hear him saying he wants to sign a, the biggest contract he's ever signed and at the same time say, hey, don't know if it's going to be short-term or long-term. There's reasons to be fearful, but on August 23rd, I hear that and I say, I still think this plays out for a while and I still think there's an outcome that everyone's going to be okay with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no panic button. I mean, look at the situation that Toronto's been in with Austin Matthews. There was maybe even more consternation there about how that would end up. With Patterson, he does seem much more aligned to the Matthews way of thinking where he's fine playing on a four-year deal coming out of this latest, you know, coming out of his RFA years. And to me, you talked about leverage. The word to me is this is accountability for the Canucks. Yep. It's not just, hey, I'm I'm trying to squeeze you this is not, you know, Wolf of Wall Street or Wall Street Gordon Gecko type stuff. This is, hey, we are in a partnership here. There are a lot of things we've heard, Elias Patterson, we've analyzed it to death. The things that he likes about being in this market, 
being in this city, playing for this team. He's obviously also had a lot of success on the ice for this team. Even in the down periods, he's still he's still an effective player. Last year, takes a step, really establishes himself in that, I would say, second tier of stars with, I think, a very, very good track to with another big season, putting himself right right up there with or right below someone like Matthews or Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. But it's about the accountability on the team's part now. It's a great point. And we should all be okay with that. This team needs people in this organization, especially what happened with the previous regime, needs people that are willing to stand up on the soapbox and be like, I want to push this one forward. And yes, you're right. There's a contractual element that he's going to get compensated for. But if you want to see Elias Pedersen take a leadership step, he's putting himself on the line as well here. Hey, I got to get off to a good start. I'm focusing on the start of the season. Now, last season, he started with nine points in nine games. He was kind of doing his end, but the team suffered. He's got to still take another step and help this team raise its bar of what's acceptable. And everyone's got to be on board. And this, to me, is a guy trying to do it. Is there a leverage play? Of course there is. But you need more people in this organization trying to raise the stakes of what's possible. Too often it is skated by of, hey, someone else can handle it. Someone else is going to do it. And everything crumbled. We saw the entire infrastructure of the organization crumble over the last three, four years. For a repair job, and that's what you know, Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford have had to do. And you had to take it in stride with someone else's contract with Elias Pettersson. But that's actually something I want to hear of, let's try to be a bit more serious about actually having effective results for this organization. Does it put a lot of high stakes of, hey, they have to make the playoffs? Great. They should want to do that anyways. And if Elias Pettersson's putting himself in the group of, we have to go make the playoffs and I'm focused on a good start and I'll go get mine at some point. This organization has to start treating games properly and seasons properly and its players properly and everything else will fall in line. Absolutely. I like that leadership bit there because mm-hmm. players can lead in very different ways. And I don't see this as an indictment. I'm I'm with you in the side that this is not an indictment of his leadership. It's actually a positive. It's encouraging to see this because you look at the top teams in the league in recent vintage, and you look at a team like Tampa Bay, there was a lot of talk about is Steven Stamkos going to be the guy that that stays here long-term? Is he going to explore free agency? Is he going to go to Toronto? Or is he going to go somewhere where um, he thinks he has a better chance to win? Obviously, he ends up sticking with Tampa Bay. They build a very good to a great team, and they get rewarded for it. And he's a guy that's maybe not seen as a traditional leader, so to speak. And obviously th- those those Lightning team had a bunch of really high-end players mm-hmm. to support that. But even the playoff run where he only played for, you know, the one game in, in the cup final there and, and scores that goal, like you got the sense of his importance to that group. And him at, at least considering leaving at certain points does not have an impact on that. So there is there is no well Elias Pettersson's not fully committed it just it is jarring for hockey fans because mm-hmm. we're so used to seeing you have an all-star franchise player that guy is getting the max term and and close to the max money and this isn't the Bo Horvat conversation because while Bo Horvat is a good NHL player he's not 
an all-star or like I guess he's been an all-star but like not a front line face of the franchise all NHL type player and it is yeah it's jarring to see those guys not sign that in Toronto there's been so much talk about Matthews not signing for eight years that the reaction to this deal is largely positive Mm -hmm. with the understanding of hey he actually understands the power that he holds as one of the best players in the league that he can set himself up for this big contract at the biggest cap hit we've seen and then hit free agency again in his early 30s. You know, he'll be around the same age that JT Miller was when he signs a long-term deal. The idea that Austin Matthews is going to be the same player or close to the same player that he's been over the last few years in four or five years' time seems like a good bet that he should be able to cash in on another deal that pays him probably at least 50 million, maybe more. And maybe then he gets the the long-term and the security. I guess it somewhat depends on where the cap's at, where the Leafs are at, all of that kind of stuff. But Pedersen is exactly, I think, in line with the the thinking that Matthews has. And he's not going to just fall in the trap of, I got to sign this long-term deal because I am the face of the franchise. He he's he's playing it a little closer and he said it before to uh the NBA stars and the way that they see not just their value to their team but their value to the league, their value to the players association and then how they can they can drive salaries. I get it. It's very easy to sit here and say take the security, take the biggest dollars. But you said it big. Patterson said this is going to be this biggest contract and the current contracts just over, you know, a tad over 20 million. You'd have to imagine that let's say he signs for four years. It's at least double or it's close to double what his current total money deal is on this one. Right. So that's, that's, that's still a size, sizable commitment, a sizable financial shift for, for an NHL player. 604-280-0650 604-280-0650 if you want to call in, be part of the show. Uh, usually on the People Show, we're always open boards. So you can always call in. Uh, but on a, on a day like today, uh, people are fired up. You can get your phone call in. Uh, lines are open, but we'll go to Jordan in Langley who joins us. Jordan, what's going on? Hey, dudes. Thank you very much for taking my call. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so a few a few things. Um, remember, like I think it was the 03-04 season, Bertuzzi was unsigned at the start of the year, and he spoke to what a big distraction that was. And this is just kind of the opposite point of view. And uh, just Pedersen, the way he says over there, I don't think he was geographically speaking personally. I think he <laughs> has a foot out the door, um, kind of, like – I don't think he's going to give up on his play. I think he wants to be a competitor, but a lot of guys, I think, look at what Matthew Kachuk did and, you know, where would you rather spend your winters, Florida or Vancouver, uh, making like killer money either place. Um, And it just, it just seems like that's kind of the way that he thinks. And uh, this morning, Mike on the morning show was saying that they've kind of had like, a moving goalpost of discussions and what JP Barry says is going to be the discussions. And that isn't really lining up with what's happening. And you know what, we might as well just buckle up and enjoy the soap opera because uh, I don't think a Stanley cup's coming to Vancouver anytime soon. And uh, maybe it will in two years and Pedersen will carry it and then walk out like Kawhi. And that would be cool too. And then I just have a question why players do what Matthew Kachuk did when I understand it from clearing a cap 
uh, space point of view from your team that you're going to, but why would you want to help another team? Like what Tavares did makes a lot more sense to me. Um, you are screwing another team, and it's a competition. It's a cutthroat competition, you know, and why why help out another team? Thanks. thanks sorry, for hang on, uh, Jordan. Um, sorry, yeah. in, in relation yeah. to Kachuk, you mean like why force the trade when you can just sign for free in a year's time? A hundred percent, because okay. he made Calgary better than they would have been if they just lost him. You know, they might have panicked and signed the uh, worst free agent. Right. Okay. Thanks and a lot. I understand it from make. Yeah. Thanks. Do you want that? I can explain. Six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty. If you want to call in, grab Jordan's line or any of the other lines. Uh, chime in on what Elias Patterson had to say today. Well, so the Kachuk thing. It's, yeah. It's not only that he gets to go to his destination a year earlier. It's the extra year on the contract, mm-hmm. and it's that he. It's not like he – it's not the Carmelo situation with the Knicks yeah. back in the day where I'm only going there and then, yeah, you have to trade three or four roster players for Carmelo. Um, the biggest part is that Matthew Kachuk informed the Flames that he wasn't going to re-sign. And so then they are behooved to go and make the best trade that mm-hmm. they can make for a player who's going to end up signing a below-market-value contract, gets the extra year, sort of everybody ends up happy – Instead of him playing out the last year of his contract where he has no intention, he's already notified them. He has no intention of, of re-signing. And now they get some assets back. So unless your expectation is for him to just play out that final year and you know he's not committed yeah. to, to the idea just be, so that the team that he signs with doesn't have to give up assets, you know, clearly the Panthers while they gave up a couple of, of pretty good players, they didn't miss them too much in the playoffs. And also, it's not Matthew Kachuk's job. I, I shouldn't say with him, but it, it's not any player's job to do the GM's job. And No, their, his job was, I want to go to Florida. Yeah, his job is like, hey, I, I want to put Here's the list of to teams paper. that I could go here's to. Here's what I think I'm worth, and here's where I think I'm going to go. But if, it, if, if I make your team worse... Because you're you're using assets, that's not my problem. Like there's on on both sides. Yeah, he's informing the team a year early that he doesn't want to resign, which is doing them a service. Mm-hmm. And as a result, the team goes, okay, well then we can get something back, and it's worth you. it for the team. Be like, hey, we're getting Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, we're using some assets, but we think we're a better team. Fine. Whereas in the John Tavares case, I I believe that he probably didn't know until. Mm-hmm. Goudreau. Pretty pretty close yeah. to signing, yeah. Good Goudreau as well. Where it's yeah. it's not, uh, or you know, whereas with Pierre Luc Dubois, another guy who just did the Kachuk thing, yeah. He's told Winnipeg, "I'm not going to sign long term. You can you can qualifying offer me. I will play it out if I have to, mm-hmm. but that's not my preference." The team is then put in a position where they are going to try to get assets back. Now it, it's it's actually kind of interesting to use Kachuk last year as an example, and kind of Austin Matthews today as an example because Kachuk gets that deal. Now, Matthew Kachuk, like, immediately after arriving in Florida, he was already viewed as, like, hey, one of the premier forwards. But now he's really thrust himself into that conversation of maybe he could have leveraged even more out of the situation because suddenly, like, an eight-year deal for Matthew Kachuk seems like a great bargain. Austin Matthews today signs the four-year extension, uh, which will kick in next year. So he's locked in for five years in Toronto, which will take him to age 31. But you look at it and say, from a Pedersen point of view, what's the more likely outcome, the Kachuk scenario or the Matthews scenario? 
does he bargain for the the short term deal and gets his way and and, and gets his money here locally? If or if I had to bet on which one's more likely, yeah, Kachuk outcome or Matthews yeah. outcome, I still I'll be the, I'll play the positive side. I think of the Matthews. I outcome. think the Matthews outcome too, but it just scenario like two ends of the spectrum. Of I how, get the fear of the Kachuk or yeah. the Dubois situation playing out. Why it exists, but he's. To me, anyways, it, it's closer to, to the Matthews situation where, okay, you don't get that eight-year deal that most of these guys sign, but you still sign a frontline player for, you know, at that point, four years in his prime, and he gets paid pretty handsomely for it. 604-280-0650 if you want to jump on the phone line, 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Keith the Water Guy, Pedersen's message today, was clear as day. The team better improve or he's out. Couldn't be any more clear. Shane texting in 650-650. No fear at all. Team has lost with him and without him. He has never shaded his desire to play on a winning team in the playoffs. If he stays, does that not make a team a winner or will it take a lot more? The OEL cap hit makes growth uh, very unlikely. Uh, no AAA prospects, no cap space and expiring contracts, all with limited cap space for improvement. If he does move on, we will get a really good return. Ditto for Hughes. Why sign with limited cap space in three years when the cap will allow many other teams other than the Canucks to add him to their roster and win a cup or play for one? That's from Shane into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Um, with that is also... Again, I, I, I go back to the idea. Like I like the fact that he's laying it on the line of like, hey, my start my start of the season is important to me. Mm-hmm. And if the team has a successful start, like everything kind of takes care of itself. And you look at the moves. I know a lot of people have disagreed with what Patrick Alvina and Jim Rutherford have done. It, it does go in step with what this also looks like is if we have success, everything kind of sorts itself out. And if we get to the playoffs, this will get signed. This will get done, whether it's eight years, four years. I, I'm more concerned about the term than I am the AAV, but I still very much believe there will be intent on both sides to get a deal done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like that's the most important thing to me stays with. It's not like he's not putting anything on the table here. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's just simply, I get to sit back and see what you guys do. No, he's he's responsible for his play at this point. He knows what it's like to have down periods or down seasons. You know, that Canadian division season, Mm -hmm. that was a wonky one for a lot of reasons, but it was certainly a wonky one for him. And he's talked about that at length, about how uncomfortable that was for him. So if this is what he feels this, and based on his comments to Elliot Friedman and to the media that's at the NHL media tour in Europe, he's comfortable going into the season here putting the extension talks to the side and focusing on his game continuing to raise his game or staying close to the level that he was at last year which is his investment in this you know it's his investment and it's not a deal because there's nothing signed but it's his it's in his investment in the situation where the Canucks find themselves and it's, yes, also that accountability for, for the team and, and the way that the rest of the season shakes out. Uh, we'll get into a lot more in the next hour. We're here till 4 o'clock. Blue Jays coming up at 4 o'clock. Uh, Brendan Batchelor will join us on the other side as we continue the reaction. Plus, Austin Matthews signed a deal. Uh, we'll get to a bunch of it in the next hour. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650, here on The People Show 
on Sportsnet 650. Final hour of the People Show. Yeah, abbreviated version of the People Show today. Mariners going long in extra innings, losing it on a uh, wild pitch throwaway. Just bad luck. It was a throw down the second. Sorry, yes. Yeah. But yeah. A couple bad throws. Botched it. Uh, so they, they break their winning streak. But uh, Jay's coming up uh, at 4 o'clock. We'll make way for that. Uh, a lot of reaction to uh, what... Leas Pedersen had to say, again, full interview still to come, where we're, we're, we're deep diving on a minute and 19 clip, <laughs> which, hey, we love doing it. We love doing it, but uh, still more context to be coming out from Elliot Friedman and Elias Pedersen. But let's talk to the voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on Sportsnet 650, our guy, Brendan Batchelor. Batch, what's going on? Not a whole lot. How about you guys? Just chilling. Just chilling. Uh, how's the summer going? good yeah it's almost over so i'm starting to sort of mentally re-engage myself in uh thinking about hockey and getting prepared for the year but only starting to so uh that's a caveat that i can give you if any of my analysis is (laughs) off point today what's the uh brendan bachelor vocal cord training camp like uh, it's a lot of herbal tea. It's a lot of <laughs> vocal warm up. You know, like the la 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 la, like stuff like that. Um, it's a lot of ukapekalukan and pick a peck of pickled peppers. You know, like, look at this gotta, guy. Mid season four. Gotta, yeah, you, you've, you've got to get uh, you've got to get fired up and ready for the year. So I, I'm not quite there yet, but uh, we'll get into that pretty quick here. Who's gonna have a better start to the season, Elias Pettersson or Brendan Bachelor? That's that's what we've got to know. Well, that's a question I don't even need to answer because you know the answer. Right? <laughs> uh, so you saw the quote today. I'm sure you've seen the clip a hundred times by now. Um, uh, initial reactions to uh, what Elias Pettersson had to say to Elliot Friedman. Yeah, I mean, I think from a Canucks fan standpoint and from an organizational standpoint, you would like to have this conversation wrapped up going into the year because you don't want it to be a talking point. You don't want it to be a distraction. But if you look at it from Elias Pettersson's standpoint, and this is regardless of whether you think he may or may not be considering a Matthew Kachuk-style um, you know, ultimatum and, and trade request slash demand, however you want to you know, characterize what happened with Kachuk in Calgary. He said, look, I'm not going to sign long-term. It's up to you guys what you want to do about that. And the Flames moved on from him. You know, even if... Pedersen is not considering that at all if that's not an option and I you know I'm not inside his head so I don't know if it is or if it isn't I can understand why he might think that it would benefit him to wait the salary cap has a chance to potentially go up if you wait uh you know until the end of this year or at least wait until you get some projections as the season goes on about where revenue is for the league um you know the kind of money you could make because if the salary cap goes up and you want to make the the percentage of the salary cap that you think you're worth, then you're going to make more money if you wait to sign. Also, the fact he talked about, he's not sure if he wants a short-term deal, not sure if he wants a long-term deal. Um, You know, I can understand that too. Keeping your options open when you're a young player who's incredibly confident in yourself and is coming off, you know, a great individual season like Pedersen did, 
I don't have any problem with it. I understand absolutely why he wants to do it. And I still think it's, it's premature for people to be assuming that this means he's going to force his way out of town just because he's slow playing his hand a little bit. I don't have a problem with that. I think, you know, for a young star player in the NHL like him, it's, it's not uncommon to, to want to wait and want to see how things develop, especially hopefully coming out of a, a flat cap era where he could stand to make more money if he waits. Austin Matthews signs an extension with the Leafs. It's four years, and there had been so much talk there that he was looking shorter term versus that eight-year deal that the reaction to the contract has been pretty reasonable, I would say. With Pedersen, there's been a lot of talk in that similar range. As you said, Batch, he said so himself. He doesn't know if it's long-term versus short-term. How much do you think in the last year that the conversation has shifted in general, but also specifically with Pedersen, about the idea that it's the thing that freaks out fans is, sure, the Matthew Kachuk situation, the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation on the extreme, but just the idea that a player doesn't want to sign that eight-year deal because up until this point, Matthew's really being the one leading the way and it looks like Patterson could be the next one to do so. Uh, having these star players not sign those max term deals is is very rare in, in the hockey world. Yeah, and I wonder if it's sort of signaling a trend of, of where things are going to go because we've already sort of talked about an increase in the power that the player has in these situations, right? Where, you know, Kachuk forces his way out of Calgary. That wasn't something that was traditionally done in the past players are sort of you know using the power that they have or we've seen some players anyway Dubois Kachuk good examples as you allude to using the power that they have to try and help control their situation and not to say that Pedersen's going to do this specifically not to say that that's what Matthews is doing by only signing a four-year deal but I do wonder if that's the way we're heading where if you're a player that's on a team that's not having success. And a good example of this is a guy like Connor McDavid, who signed very long-term with the Edmonton Oilers and has not gotten to the, the level of success as a team that he would like yet. Obviously, hasn't made a Stanley Cup final, hasn't won a Stanley Cup yet. And from a player perspective, the, the only downside I can see to signing shorter-term deals is the, the risk of, uh, a career-ending injury, meaning that you don't earn as much money as you might have been able to. But otherwise, if you renegotiate your deal every three or four years, chances are the salary cap's gone up every three or four years. If you're betting on yourself, that means you're going to make a higher dollar amount, even though there's less guaranteed up front. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the end of your career, the dollar amount will be higher if you stay healthy, if you stay at a high level and you renegotiate every three or four years, as opposed to, yes, you get the guaranteed payday on the eight-year deal, but, um, you know, maybe you leave some money on the table by, you know, getting that security. And it gives you the option to change scenery, to move teams if you don't like what your current team is doing. So again, I'm not saying that's what Matthews is doing with the Leafs. I'm not saying that's what Pedersen would be doing if he were to sign a shorter term deal, but at least you give yourself the option so that you can, you know, consider testing unrestricted free agency. And, you know, in an era where we haven't seen a lot of that, you know, like the UFA classes over the last few years haven't been that star studded. 
I think that would probably be more exciting for the league, even if it would be devastating for individual fan bases to lose really good young players or franchise cornerstone type players. But, um, you know, whether it's Pedersen, whether it's Matthews, whether it's other players that are looking at these sorts of deals in the coming years, it may be signaling a, a change in that trend from the long-term deal. And I'll be interested to see, A, what Pedersen does in his individual situation, and then B, how that reflects the way players are thinking about these sorts of things league-wide. Look, we got a text earlier talking about like the career-ending injury thing. Well, it's not really a thing. Like, How many players have actually had one of those situations? The thing I actually look at, though, is because you're coming into a contract year, does even missing 15 games, 10 games, impact what your season is like and what your contract status could be in your negotiating power. Like that's the thing I kind of worry about too. If you're Elias Pettersson, like it's hard to put up 100 point seasons, and he did it this year. And you've got this opportunity to to cash in. I'm not saying it's got to be an eight year deal, but like what if a scenario developed where he plays 67 games and he puts up 70 points? Like those are still fantastic numbers, but for where you were, you just put up. 102 off of 80 it, it could be a different scenario that you're you're changing your negotiating power at a moment yeah maybe slightly although you know if i was Pedersen's camp i would be arguing on the basis of point per game rather than you know overall output so yeah he wasn't a 100 point guy but he was still on pace to put up a, a ton of points even though he missed some time mm-hmm. and he's still very clearly an important part to the team like you know to me it's more about do you have a down year right? Like uh-huh. if, if, if it's a contract year for Pedersen and for whatever reason, he comes out of the gate slow, like he did a couple of years ago and has a down season. That to me is the more, the more pertinent part of the conversation where if you sign a deal now coming off a hundred point season, as opposed to waiting and maybe you're not even a point per game player, if you have a bad year or if the team struggles or, you know, a variety of circumstances can lead players to, to have good seasons or bad seasons, depending on the coach they've got, depending on the fit with who they play on their, on their line, power play time, all of these sorts of things. So like that to me is, is more of the conversation as opposed to, Oh, Pedersen missed 20 games, but he was still more than a, a point per game player. I don't think that's going to hurt his negotiating stance as much it may a little bit but you know if if you're a point per game player and you still play i don't know 50 plus games i think you can probably still have that argument if you're Pedersen that you still deserve to be paid what you might have been paid had you played the full season based on the fact that last year was a 100 point year this year you know hypothetically is at least a point per game year even if you're missing time um you know i i don't think that hit would hurt his negotiating uh, you know, stance as much as what if he has a down year? What if he's only an 80 point guy or a 70 point guy if things don't go well? And and that could hurt the number. But the other thing we're seeing from young players around the league is how ultra confident they are in their own abilities. So I think we, we might be coming into a generation of player that is more willing to bet on themselves than guys have been in the past. And, and that's going to be interesting, both from the perspective of, as we talked about, guys have a chance to make more money if they bet on themselves and the bet pays out, but it could hurt them in terms of their earning ability if they bet on themselves and things go awry for, for one reason or another. Patterson hasn't been shy about uh, saying that he wants to win and, and win the Stanley Cup and play at the highest level. And 
also has said that he he wants to see where where the Canucks are at. That that's the flip side of this equation that we can talk about. Uh, sort of the bet that he's making, the risk that maybe he's taking on, but there's certainly some accountability on the team side to to have success. Uh, what do you imagine next season needs to look like? You know, at, at the very least, for Patterson to feel like okay that there are strides being made. This is a team that that can consistently push for the playoffs or is at least pushing in the right direction. You've got to be playing meaningful games late in the season at the very least. Like that to me is the the lowest bar. Um, you know, whether you are a playoff team, whether you come close, you know, if, if you're Patterson, I think it would be foolish to make your decision based on like, if we make the playoffs, I'll sign. If we don't, I won't because, or, you know, I, I won't want to sign long-term because, you know, one game can make the difference between whether you make the playoffs or not or an 82 game sample size you know that that's sometimes those breaks are going to go for you sometimes they're going to go against you regardless of how good or bad your team might be but it can't be another year like last year or the last few years where there's organizational instability where you know it's a, a long march to the end of the regular season knowing that the playoffs are not going to be a reality that's not something that anyone involved with the organization or the team wants to have happen again and and you know, Pedersen obviously is included in that list. So you've got to be alive late. You've got to be playing meaningful games. You've got to be pushing. You've got to have a chance to make the playoffs at the very least. Uh, I would imagine in order for him to have confidence that things are turning in the right direction. And also, I think it probably has a lot to do with how he fits into the way Rick Tockett wants the team to play. Because Tockett now is here as the head coach. He has a, a mandate, a multiple-year mandate. It's not like Boudreaux, who was an expiring coach. He's clearly the hand-picked guy of management. So I wouldn't imagine Rick Tockett is going anywhere anytime soon, which means if you're Elias Pettersson and you're considering your options, you want to be playing for a coach that has your best interests in mind, is playing you in the situations you think you deserve to be played in and is playing a style of hockey that you think will allow you to have success and allow the team to have success. And, you know, I, I believe that Tockett is that guy. I think, you know, Pedersen and, and others played well under him late last season down the stretch. So I have no reason to think that that wouldn't be the case. But I would imagine if you are Pedersen and these are some of the things you're thinking through, that's what you're looking at is, you know, the fit in the room with your teammates, you know, your belief in coaching staff and management's ability to surround you with players that can give you team success and then how the team actually performs on the ice this year in terms of whether you can see tangible improvements over last year with regards to taking strides in the right direction. So what do we expect from then uh, from Elias Pettersson? Because he's, you know, he's putting himself where he's going to bet on himself and it's all well and good and, and the team, their progress as well. Uh, but what do we expect from Elias Pettersson this year? I'm expecting a lot from him. Um, you know, I think on top of the fact that he's coming off a great year and has clearly taken his game to another level, he's going to have a ton of individual motivation based on the fact that he does want to bet on himself to a certain extent to come into this season and prove that he is worth the money that he thinks he is and that many people around the league think he is, and rightfully so, because he's a tremendous young player. So the one thing that I've seen from Pedersen throughout his NHL career to this point is 
he's a guy that's incredibly motivated, not just for team success, but to prove people wrong, to show that he can be a top-level player and to try to become one of the best players in the world, which, you know, in my mind, he already is. So, uh, you know, I would imagine he'll come firing out of the gates. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he has another 100-point season or surpasses the total from last year. And with the way this team is constructed and the expectations that are going to be placed around them, he's got to become a leader. Whether the C ends up on his sweater or not, he's now a big part of the leadership group of this team, and he's got to show that kind of of element to his game as well, where it's not just him putting up points, but you know he's helping his teammates get into the battle and, and being sort of a, a talisman for, for this Canucks team going forward. So I, I have high expectations for him this year. I think he's going to have a great season and um, you know put himself in a, a good situation when it comes to negotiating his next contract. I, I will say the leadership thing too, obviously important, but you know with what was said today and, and just his overall demeanor of like, hey, I, I want to play for a winner, all this sort of stuff. I like the fact that he's kind of put himself in the group of, hey, my, my season's got to be strong. The start of the season has to be strong. And if it comes off as if I'm good, I'm going to get paid, but it also means the team is good and we all get what we want. And you just need more people in this organization that are taking that level seriously and trying to push for wins. It's about taking ownership and yeah. taking responsibility and being okay with the pressure that comes with that. You know, this is a Canadian market. This is a fan base that has been starved for success over the last decade. So there is a lot of pressure there. And, Anyone that comes to play for this team, whether it's Elias Pettersson or whether it's the the third-pairing defenseman that's only going to get 10 minutes a night, there is a level of expectation there from within the organization and from outside the organization as well. And you need to have guys that are okay in that pressure cooker, that thrive in those sorts of situations and I'm very confident that Pedersen is one of those guys. We've seen, you know, what he's done throughout the majority of his NHL career. Um, you know, the interesting factor and, and the part of this that, you know, is where we tie into the conversation about Pedersen considering his future and wanting to be on a winner is how many of those guys are there in that room and how many guys can step up and take an added level of accountability and be a part of something changing here because we haven't seen it over the last few years for the most part. There was a, an upswing after Rick Tockett came in, and I think you know he's preached accountability from day one, so it's something that he's going to demand of his players as well. But you know, it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to do it on the ice, and that's what we need to see a lot of guys in that dressing room do this year, Pedersen included. There will be tons of attention on Pedersen's start, on the Canucks' start. Uh, a team over in the Premier League with a bit of a shaky start would be Manchester United, Batch. Uh, where's the concern on, on the Red Devils after, you know, not not the best first couple games of the season here? It's a better start than last year, so we're moving in the right direction. That's how I'm choosing to, to view it. Uh, oh. One win from two. Uh, I have confidence that Eric Tenhag will sort things out, but... Um, yeah, not an ideal start to the year for for the Red Devils, but plenty of time to to work on things and and figure out who's going to fit where and, and how things are going to go, and plenty of time left in the transfer window too. So, you know, absolutely, I was optimistic coming into the year. That optimism has been dented a little bit, but it's too early to start completely freaking out. Isn't it eerie the last couple of years, like the parallels between Manchester United and Vancouver? 
yeah, it's it's uh, it's a problem. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's really strange. Like even just like you know, captains going out and seriousness of the club and team yeah yeah all that like the, the parallels have been like very very similar bald I mean, coaches bald coaches coming in right it's 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 very just odd of just seeing like how if, if one team solves a problem be like just do that just do what they did and if one team makes a mistake don't do what they did it's it's very odd what's happened uh, between the two teams yeah i feel like you and i I did a hit with you in the spring. I think it was Bic, where mm-hmm. we spent like ten minutes on the fact that they're the same team playing yeah. two different sports. And I guess you know the, the difference is that Man United has sort of a, a storied history that they're trying to live up to, whereas mm-hmm. the Canucks are trying to create that storied history for the the first time because they haven't had a ton of on ice success in their fifty plus years now in the league. Um, but because it's a Canadian market, that the pressure you know is comparable in my mind in terms of what people expect out of the Canucks and what people expect out of a team like Man United. It's just for different reasons. For Man United, it's because many people remember them being successful. And in Vancouver, it's just because people so desperately want their team to be successful. But, yeah, it's uh, it's been a tough couple of years to follow the Canucks and Man United. So hopefully things change going into this season for one or both of those teams. Batcha, always appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the uh, days off, and we'll be hearing you soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Batch. Brendan Batchelor at Batch Hockey on the socials. If you want to go follow him, if you're not already, and I'll obviously hear him here on Sportsnet 650 uh, when the games do return and things get real for the Vancouver Canucks. Things are real, though, in Toronto. $13.25 million for Austin Matthews signing today, a four year extension, which kicks in next season. He's turning 26 here soon, takes him up to age 31. We'll talk about it a bit more on the other side, but, uh, hey, first of all, he's the one that broke it. All these insiders, hey, just go straight to the source. There was like a five-minute gap there where we thought, hey, was he hacked? I was hoping. That that would be that he was hacked. Amazing. Just for the chaos. Can you imagine? Always root for the chaos. Would it be a Leafs fan does that do that, or would it be like a, a, a Canadians fan that does it? Probably a non-Leaps fan. Uh, yeah, that's a big money deal. Uh, not total money, $53 million. It's not uh, breaking the bank for the highest total contract we've seen. But uh, Austin Matthews uh, is going to be the new highest played player per year in the NHL starting next season. Yeah. And it, it just it just kind of highlights again, like we we're just... Discussing there with Batch, it, it creates this urgency, obviously, for the teams to constantly try to compete and be in the the focal point of the the league. And when you're Toronto, you've had this limited success, obviously regular season success. They put themselves in the playoffs constantly, and I do wonder if maybe like their best team has already played, but. You think they've maybe missed the window. Yeah. But at least now it's like, hey, the window gets extended because you have Austin Matthews. I mean, this could, you know, the, the parallel's already been drawn, a Washington situation. Sure. Where the thought was that keep window Keep taking was shots. Keep too. taking shots. As long as you've got the elite talent. Mm-hmm. And there is a text in the inbox about how Austin Matthews is very overrated. Uh, Jay and Delta. Jay and Delta. Uh, Matthews making that kind of money. Absolute joke. He's broken 90 points once in his career. Totally overpaid. Albatross of a contract. It's time to start chanting 67 
at Maple Leafs games, which I think people already kind of do. Um, but look, he's put up an 85 point season just this past year. He scored 40 he missed, goals. Missed games too. Yeah, he scored 40 goals uh, five seasons, and should be more because shutdown seasons. Yeah, uh, or, or injuries. Um, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. But the Leafs absolutely need to have way more success than having the level of talent they've had. Uh, but William Nylander was also one of them, uh, talking to uh, Elliot Friedman, Jeff Merrick, saying that he's not too worried. It's not a big big deal going to his unrestricted free agency season. But with Matthews done now, I'm curious how that moves uh, those conversations along. And by the way, Jeff Merrick tweeted, for all the people that I imagine are uh, tweeting Jeff and Elliot, yes, the podcast will come out tomorrow with their conversations uh, with Nylander, Pedersen, and Rasmus Anderson and thoughts on the uh, Austin Matthews deal from the European Players Tour happening in Sweden. That's tomorrow, so we'll have more reaction tomorrow. We'll have the full Pedersen interview tomorrow, and we can react on that tomorrow. Uh, more in the way, final segment before we make way for the Toronto Blue Jays and the Baltimore Orioles uh, on these airwaves. Uh, we'll wrap it up here on the People Show, Sportsnet 650. Six fifty, six fifty. More reaction coming into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox here on the People Show. Vic Nazar, Israel Fair, hanging out with you for the final segment. We'll make way for the Blue Jays and Orioles coming up in a half hour. Coming to you live from the Kintech Studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over twenty five hundred five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech. .net People Show brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the work site. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. This one from Mike in West Kelowna. This is why Besser needs to go. He's nothing like PD and work ethic, desire to win, professionalism, and intensity. I believe Besser is a lazy cancer on the team. PD, four years, 48 million. Hashtag boom. So four years, $48 million. That's $12, uh, 12 million a year. Quick math there. Yeah. By the way, shout out to Mike for texting in total money there. I see you working, Mike. <laughs> Knows his audience. Four years, $48 million. Um, If we projected like what an eight-year deal looks like for Elias Pettersson, uh, let's work backwards here. I've kind of said you know, 11, 11 and change would be the thing that you put $88, 90000000 million in front of somebody. They say no, then you kind of. Okay. What, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's it's the type of offer of like, make him say yes. I understand contractually, if you find the right fair offer of comparables, maybe it's closer to like, Aho, 10, something like that. That's fine. But the, the make him say yes offer to me is much more in the 11 range to do it today. But for what Mike is saying, and for what we just saw Austin Matthews sign another four-year deal coming in at uh, 13.25, what would a four-year deal look like for Elias Pettersson? If we're using the Ajo as one comparable, Matthews as another comparable, what what would a four-year deal look like to you? Well, we batted it around during one of the breaks here, mm-hmm. and I went between 45 and 50, so Mike in West Kelowna with 48 and a half, so obviously right mm-hmm. right there. I feel like it's in that. It's got to be in that range. $12 million would put you uh, fourth highest player. Or yeah. Th- yeah, fourth highest player. 
paid player. Maybe a little, maybe under 48, but not not a lot under. Mm-hmm. Because per AAV, right? It'd be Panarin, or it'd be Matthews next season, McKinnon, McDavid, yeah, then Pedersen. And if you're if you're Elise Pedersen, um, I, I guess I mean, you it's know, a heck of a case. Drysaitel will have a new contract in the next mm-hmm. couple of years. But but from when from when Pedersen can sign his deal, I, I obviously Drysaitel can sign next year. Yeah, um, it's it, it's a case to be made there to to do it. It puts you above Pashnek, uh, puts you above uh, Panarin. Carlson, obviously. It's rarefied air. There's like a gap there, though, of like the, the $10 million deals to the $12 million deals. It's like we don't have a lot of 11 millions. It's just Carlson, Pashnik, Gowdy, Tavares. That's it. The and, older guys. And, and, and like guys some of them have, have like aged out, basically. Yeah. I, I was kind of hoping the, the Matthews one would kind of reset the market. A 700K raise on what McKinnon is getting. No, I thought it was going to be 14. Plus. Yeah. It, it's. Like it raises the bar, and people will try to sneak in now under it. But I was kind of hoping it it was akin to the McDavid deal, which was clearly a step up. Yeah, now everyone can slot in below it. This one is a little bit more, and it, well, it's the term, right? Yeah, it's the it's the term conversation. The term is the headline here, not the money that like, comes up with these guys. And as I keep saying, it's 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 jarring to see a star player not sign the max term. Whether that's getting that extra year with your team or the guys that hit free agency, Goudreau, mm-hmm. Tavares. It's not like once you hit free agency, you're more than likely going to sign for the max term. Mm-hmm. So for someone who has that leverage with their team to not sign the max term, is it's changing the market. It's not, it's not setting the market mm-hmm. financially. It's changing the market, I guess, in the way that some of these star players view themselves, which we have seen a ton in the NBA. Uh, Mark the Fire Guy, Pedersen is worth eight years, $100 million. Get it done, uh, 12.5 per. So that would uh, be right in line with uh, Connor McDavid because that was the deal he signed. $100 million, eight years. I'd be surprised if something like that materialized. Again, like I think 11.5 is quote-unquote an overpayment, but like I'm not concerned about overpaying your like true bona fide this guy's one of the five seven best players he's in the top tier discussion in his position i i get concerned about paying the the, the middle tier of we're, we're projecting this guy to be a would be second liner into a first liner and we're going to overpay him that's the, the the part i get a little terrified at yeah for instance like we saw the text earlier about brock besser it's like that is the concern yeah there's no concern with Pedersen, the frontline player look like if from a pure Value perspective, 100 mm-hmm. over eight years is not – I don't find ludicrous. Mm-hmm. It's just that ultimately it does come down to those comparables, the track record, especially for someone who at this point is not an unrestricted free agent. It still have to deal with the restricted uh, you know, framework, yeah. if you will. I'm actually kind of surprised to see how uh, positive it's been in the inbox today. Here's another one from Ray and Campbell River. Uh, Campbell River. EP is worth $15 million on a fifth, four-year deal and still deserves a signing bonus. Well, yeah, there'll be a signing bonus element in whatever he signs. Cash flow uh, is a big conversation. I think there's a lot of um, – in, in his current deal, 
uh, for Austin Matthews. It's like all signing bonus. He's getting like 775k salary, but it's basically all signing bonus. Different teams have different motivations. The Leafs can do that. They've got lots of cash on Yeah, that. not every team is able to play the game uh, financially like the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, but, I, you know, when I, when I saw the quote from Elias Pettersson today uh, with this chat with Elliot Friedman, which comes out on the podcast 32 Thoughts tomorrow, you can listen for it. I was wondering what the initial reaction would be, and you mentioned this too a lot, that the, the reaction to the um, Matthews Matthews yeah. one today, overwhelmingly positive from Leafs fans, you, you stress about the deal, and you think, hey, is this guy going to walk away? And it's framed versus the idea of like he could walk away for nothing. The the, the specter of Arizona has been looming. Well, since... I did make that joke yeah, before the show. This but... tells me that the Coyotes are moving to Houston. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, as soon as he was drafted, it was essentially like, Hey, is uh, at some point when he gets his chance, is he going to go to Arizona? So Leafs fans have lived under that for five, six years. And at some point, it it's obvious. been mostly in jest. Yeah, but like still, it's if, if you're if it's, you're talking about seasons of doubt, if if Arizona made any progress in the six years, maybe the, there's reality. But they went, they, they regressed. They don't even have an arena right now, <laughs> no, right? They do so not. They, at some point, it became obvious. That's like, okay, that's not. It's a thing. not gonna. It, it's not gonna happen. And it just became a situation where it's like, okay, how much is he gonna sign for? Once you get to the finality of it, it's, it's okay, it's done for your deal. It, it's it's a positive outcome, and they extend this window. So I, I was a little worried that we'd get in today into like. This guy's selfish. He's not committing to the team. It, it's been overwhelmingly positive uh, so far from fans today. Yeah, it has. Um, I think there's just an understanding, a, a better, clearer understanding from the player's perspective mm-hmm. of why they do that and an understanding that while we're talking a big cap hit that's been signed for Austin Matthews and even these proposed cap hits that we're talking about for Elias Pettersson, whether it's on a four-year, whether it's on an eight-year, mm-hmm. is not causing a huge reaction. Sure, there are some texts. You know, there's a text in here. If EP40 wants to win, signs a huge contract, that's not going to help the team win. He needs guys around them. If you're going to take all the money, there won't be anything left for anyone else. Ask the Edmonton Oilers. Um, and that that, that that sentiment does yeah. exist, but it's been closer to uh, – you know, a rational, reasonable reaction. Here's the thing, though. It's like, yeah, you can ask the Oilers, but like McDavid took a pay cut. He's he's worth more than the 16% of the cap that he signed for. He probably could have pushed for 20. That's the max, but he probably could have done that. And I said earlier, it's not the player's job to do the GM's job. If If you sign a guy to a max deal, you're admitting that you can find a way to solve the problem of how to build out the roster. Yeah, don't make mistakes. Find efficient deals. But you are saying that if you do your job correctly, we can still do this, build this out as a winner. I want to see someone maybe push it to the limit and say, hey, I'm asking for for max AAV. I just feel like we're such a far cry away from there. And if a player wants to... I thought Matthews might be the one to do it. Yeah. Alas. If he's not going to do it, then it, it's not going to happen. Even Patterson, yeah, just based on where he's at, right? He doesn't have the same track record mm-hmm. that Matthews has. He he's not he's in a position to push for probably better, like you said, an overpay based on statistical comparables mm-hmm. that 
the franchise, the Canucks would be happy with and, and fans would be happy with. And then if Pedersen's the one signing the contract, you would imagine he's happy with, but he's not quite at that point to push for it. So we'll, we'll probably have to wait for the McDavid, the next McDavid contract. Although I, I don't know, maybe Dreisaitl surprises and, you know, maybe, maybe that's he, true. Maybe he that's decides true. I'm going to go to elsewhere. The cap will open up or they make it happen in Edmonton. Who knows? But he, he, he kind of flies under the radar because we talk so much about McDavid. Yes. And going to have that. He's going to have to sign his contract first. Actually, I do wonder if if he clips Matthews for AAV. Right now, look, he could do the the, the long term deal uh, as well. I'd have to imagine it'd be pretty close, thirteen something. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about a dude who just routinely puts up hundred point seasons. Yes, he plays with Connor McDavid, but we're talking about four one hundred point seasons. We got the text earlier saying, "Hey, he's over Matthews is overrated. He's only had one season above ninety. Well, it's got him the highest per, per year paid player in the league." Man, Leon Dreisaitl's putting up 128-point season. He's put up 110 three times. He's put up 100 four times. Yeah, yeah, that might be a scenario where he uh, eclipses 13.25. It's just that the conversation, like that will be dictated by what happens with the Oilers this season and next season from a competitive standpoint. Yeah. Because they, they are... Stanley Copper bust for sure. And where that narrative goes in terms of keeping those two guys, is it feasible? Are they going in the right direction? Will Dreisaitl want out? All that kind of stuff. We have no way to predict that today. But based strictly on the numbers, he, he will be he will be in that range. Uh six fifty, six fifty, chime in with your thoughts. Uh, this one, that last text was nonsense. I say overpay him slightly in the short term to lock him in. PD at eight years times 12 and a half for a $100 million total deal. Uh, proactively set an internal cap for the next decade as the league cap arises. But here's the thing. Like, Elias Pettersson admitted himself. We can play it back here for you a second um, in his conversation with Elliot Friedman. Like, he, he admitted himself. It's like, hey, I don't know if I'm going to do a short-term or long-term deal. It's all well and good to say, Hey, give this guy an eight-year deal, but we just saw with Austin Matthews. All the reporting coming out of today, Frank Cervelli putting out, it's like they weren't moving off four years. Like that was their the, the most important part of the negotiation for the 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 Matthews camp was term. They got their four years. The money sorts itself out after that, but it was very adamant they they were not moving off the four years. Yeah, that was their that was their leading negotiating point. And we'll we'll find out in due time where that lands for Patterson. I'm sure that this is instructive in a lot of ways mm-hmm. as to what that might look like, and that there is another player out there who's been in the league a little bit longer, who's had a little bit longer track record of at least point production to set up where he's comfortable at. But I mean, yeah, I, I take his. And there's two things from the clip that we're about to play. One is him very very simply stating. Not sure, short term, long term. Although, I, and I did catch Jordan Langley called in earlier in the show, and he did say over there. Yeah, and I did catch that, and I I'm not going to read into it too much, but it did buzz my ears a little bit. Okay, let's hear the whole clip uh, from Elias Patterson chatting with Elliot Friedman. What's the best thing about Stockholm? For me, it's uh, now I like living in big cities, so it's uh, gets me to be somewhat 
privacy uh, and just a big town, a lot of opportunities for a lot of golf courses and uh, my trainer lives here and I got a lot of hockey friends here as well. So. so did Vancouver do that to you? Vancouver made you a big city guy, eh? Yeah, it did. It transitioned me to, uh, to a bigger, big city guy. <laughs> One more bit of business. Extension. You're eligible to sign. Yeah. Where do things stand? Yeah, um, I'm not in a rush to sign. Um, I'm, uh, I mean, I got one one more year left over there, and uh, I don't want to rush into anything because I still don't know myself if it's going to be a short term or long term. But it's going to be uh, probably my biggest contract so far, so I don't want to stress anything. Just going to get off to a good start. Focus on that. Yeah, that's been the main goal. I mean. The whole summer, I'm just trying to prepare myself as much as possible with training, trying to gain a little bit of weight, some muscles, and uh, and yeah, especially get off to a good start with the team. That's if you missed it, uh, the clip from Elliot Friedman, which comes out tomorrow in the 32 Thoughts podcast. Uh, Ian McIntyre also spoke to his agent, Pat Brisson, saying, uh, Patterson, he told me, I want to focus on my game, I want to focus on the Vancouver Canucks being better. You know, there's been a lot of changes lately, and I think we all owe it to ourselves to just go in and do the best we can. Uh, that's from Pat Brisson and Ian McIntyre's article at sportsnet.ca. And the main focus will be for him to perform, and hopefully him and the team will be in a better place this year. It's more than anything else, and to evaluate, both sides can evaluate. Uh, let's all sit down at the end of the year and explore where we're at. And end of the year, I, I presume, is end of the hockey year, not the calendar year. Uh, so putting it to bed to saying contract will, will be discussed at a future date. Which I'm kind of okay that like it, it, it's out of the way. He's still going to be asked about it. Of course. but Which I have, I have no problem with. No, no, no. I have no problem with. It, it, it just, it, if, if everyone's on the same page in the organization, then I have less a concern. Like, look, we're going to talk about it, obviously, because it's fun for us and we have so many hours to fill in the airwaves and we're idiots. We're going to talk about contracts. But internally, if everyone's on the same page, like that's not even just for, for what they're trying to achieve this season. They have to, they had to get alignment. Like last year, last three years have been so nutty. A lot of playing catch up. Just a, a lot of, not even just playing catch up, a lot of people playing the game for themselves. Whether it comes from the top, whether it comes from the, the the players, the executive staff, the coaching staff, as much as you wanted to say there was alignment, yeah, yeah lack of alignment, yeah, like you're saying for sure. At least now everyone's on the same page. They all know each other. They all have a, a, a history together. They all know what they're all about. They all come in with fairly similar timelines here. Alvin hasn't been on the job that long. Rutherford hasn't been on the job that long. They targeted Rick Tockett. He's their guy. A lot of things are lockstep, finally, just from an organizational point of view. My sense is that from from the the running of the team, everything's a lot smoother. Yes, there's been some drama, but it, it, in the last eight months, it's been quieter. It's not a high bar to cross from what they established previously, but you're not coming into the season with Boudreaux, Unrest. Unrest. That whole issue. Horvat. Like the, the, this Pedersen thing is really the only big picture thing that's on the docket. 
outside of that is you have to go achieve now as a team. And, and it's that, it's not as complicated as the Horvat situation. Correct. Because as we've discussed today, the final number on Pedersen on an eight or a four is not really going to rankle people one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Fans are either going to be happy that they, they feel like there's a, a discount there. Let's say it's closer to an Aho type deal. Let's say it's in the tens and going, oh, great. Even even on a four, you're going fantastic. Save a, a mil, two mil a year. With the Horvat situation, there was a much larger gap in terms of potential evaluations. And then also what that meant for the direction of the franchise. Okay, you're cool. You know, JT Miller was committed to, obviously, Bo Horvat. Mm-hmm in the end does not get committed to, but that conversation. And then with the coach, this is, this is, it feels more daunting because it's a more important player. Mm -hmm. It's the lead guy and that there is this pressure to perform, but that that's a, this is their job. Yeah. Their jobs is to go out there and perform to this pressure. And they haven't done it for the last number of years. But again, and the starts have been bad for the last two years with two different coaches, so there's pressure there too. But the resolution, like, it feels bigger in the moment, but then whatever the result is, even even if the result is, and I don't believe this $15 to be million true, dollar deal. No, no the, the other side. The, the oh, Pete okay. Patterson's going to pull a Kachuk. Right. Even if that's the outcome, at least it's a real outcome. Whereas, like, the Bo Horvat thing was so in the middle for mm-hmm. a player who is a good player, but ultimately is kind of a, you know, on a good team is the fourth or fifth. You know, he's, he's not the, the, the mega star. Mm-hmm. So whatever decision you're making there, I mean, when the Islanders, you know, Lou Lamorello, when they signed them said too, too long and, and too much money. Yes. That feeling is, is immediately there with Pedersen. There is no too long. And there is right in you know, even 15. I don't think people would go if you know, the cap is going to go up. People are going to really freak out. There is no too long. There is no too much money. It's just getting to that point in the pressure on the beginning of this season. Is this Rick Tockett bump for real? Is there the depth in the middle of the lineup to sustain? Man, we did some shows last summer where we were talking about, look at all the depth on the wing. Yeah. And they've got so many different options. And then you get kind of a a bum year from Besser. Garland has his moments in specific roles, but is not someone that was getting rolled out there in mega situations. Mikheyev misses half the season with an injury. Kuzmenko was a a, a big win, but even that caused consternation because of should you trade him? And then you don't get much... Uh, value your impact from Pud Colson or Hoaglander. So all of that kind of rosy, and I was definitely, definitely guilty of that last summer. I thought, oh, this is great. They have mm-hmm. all these options. So they, they have questions on the ice, but that's what they're paid to do. That's what the players are paid to do. And that's what, you know, as you keep saying today, it's not on the players to be the GM. But I do like the idea that, again, the, the, the focus on the start of the season and yeah, there's pressure. Cool. Like live up to the pressure. There's pressure to win Stanley Cups. At some point, you're going to face pressure in your career. I'm not worried about like, oh, the the, the, the pressure of, of what a big contract does. This is what the, the, they're supposed to do. They're supposed to absorb the pressure and still accomplish. 
that's a huge component of how to do this job. And too often we, we shirk away or try to find the scenarios to lessen the pressure. But to compete and succeed at the highest level, you're going to face pressure at some point and embrace it when those opportunities uh, come at you. We will uh, do a full unpacking of not just a minute, 19 second clip of Elias Pedersen. The full interview tomorrow on The People Show. We're at Tawasson Springs, though, tomorrow. Will be a blast for the Vancouver Giants golf tournament over at Tawasson Springs. Uh, also, they will uh, introduce their new head coach. So we'll talk to uh, Barkley Parnetta and the new head coach tomorrow. Pumped up to be over there uh, tomorrow at Tawasson Springs. Uh, we will see you then uh, tomorrow here on The People Show on Sportsnet 650.